Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Dread Time Stories. I'm your host, Dr. Phobia. And tonight, dear patients, our story comes from the world of creepypastas. Now, tonight's tale is actually kind of special. It actually comes out of the Buckeye State, where my lovely little haunt resides. So I really wanted to do this one. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's tale, The Cult at Parmatown. If you grew up in Parma in the mid-60s to the late 2000s, you likely knew of Parmatown Mall, with its bright blue entrances, old brick facade, and overall creepiness. And of course, you knew of Robert Parma III. You probably saw him around the mall at some point. Don't lie to yourself, you saw him. Parading around the mall all day with his stupid, it's my town, top hat and cane, round figure and proud gaunt. If you couldn't guess, he was the owner of the mall. While the general public thought of him as a good-natured outgoing fellow, he had a darker side. A side only a few others knew about. A side which the public was never supposed to see. I started working at Parmatown in 2005. I was hired at the Santa display as an elf, but kept working after the holiday season ended. I worked in the food court for a while, and then finally ended up getting a job at Hot Topic. The job was fine, but there was one condition. All employees had to be out by 11.30, even if the work wasn't done. I was confused at first, but I quickly got used to it. I lived in a small apartment right across the street anyway, so it's not like I had a long commute home. Now, by 2017, Parmatown had become what one would consider a dead mall. We had fewer and fewer stores every month or so, and there was even talk of demolishing the mall. I asked my manager John what he had thought of the plans, and he just glanced at the security camera and shook his head. I got the impression that something was up, and on my lunch, I couldn't help but notice that Robert, or as we called him, Robert the Fatty, was walking around the food court more than usual. Usually he did one lap and left, stupid cane twirling. Today, he walked around three times then left. The funny thing is, I'm pretty sure he was watching me the whole time. That was odd and all, but I didn't think too much of it and did my work. Then, went home as usual at 11.30. The next morning as I walked into the mall, I noticed there was now a store closing banner above Borders Books. The sign read, Final Two Days. Final two days? Were they moving out that quickly? I walked inside and instantly encountered their manager, Mitch. He was staring at the closing banner with an expression of someone watching a loved one die. No, no, please no, he muttered. I asked him why they were moving out so quickly, and he just dropped his gaze and muttered, Rent, and sprinted to the back. That day, since we didn't have a single customer, which was typical, I just watched the Borders bookstore, wondering why on earth they only had two days to leave. They were one of the only stores that still drew customers. It wasn't hard considering they were right across the hall from us. Mitch just stood behind the desk, and I could tell he was terrified. He didn't move the entire shift. 
not even to use the bathroom or take a lunch break. Robert was doing his march, but today he wouldn't leave borders. For eight hours, just back and forth, cane twirling, hat with the button gleaming. I wondered, could Robert be up to something? The idea certainly sounded possible by the way he followed me through the food court yesterday and the fact that his entire march now solely focused on one store. Then again, he might be trying to attract people to the store in its final days. That's the problem with working a dead mall. Every thought has tons of time to manifest, and by the end, it could be hard to figure out what's plausible and what's not. The next day was the same thing. Mitch stared out of the front of the store, terrified, and Robert marched on. The constant thump, thump, thump of his footsteps took an almost sinister tone. That night, I left work as normal at 11.30. When I got to my apartment, I reached for my key and realized I left my keychain in the back room of the Hot Topic. Idiot. I walked back to the parking lot and stared at Parmatown the darkness making it feel creepier than usual. Remember, all employees must be out by 11.30. Robert's voice boomed in my head. I shook it off, rationalizing it was a perfectly valid reason to break the rule. After all, I had to get into my apartment, didn't I? I hurried across the street and walked up to the main entrance. It was locked. No surprise there. Thinking quickly... I hurried around to the back of the mall to the rear entrance. This one was also locked. Now slightly worried I wouldn't be able to get in, and thus not being able to get into my apartment, I raced around to the third and final entrance of the mall. Approaching the glass entry, I thought, if this one's locked, break a window. It's an emergency. Thankfully, I didn't have to break any windows. This door opened with ease. Relief began to set in as I made my way into the hot topic. If you've never been in a dead mall, they're creepy enough on their own. Throw in the fact that the building was pitch black save for the glowing exit signs, and this was by far the creepiest place I had ever been in. I was unable to recover my key without issue, and as I was turning to leave, I heard a low hum coming from the central court. A few moments later, footsteps echoed through the mall. I figured I'd see what was going on, but I told myself I'd run if it was a burglar. Slowly, ducking behind the fake trees, I made my way over. I could see soft lights coming from the area, which I assumed were the emergency lights. Before I could make it to the court, I stopped dead in my tracks. Standing around the large tile compass on the floor were eight hooded figures two on each point. I realized the hum came from them. Candles lined each point circling around the center point. I had no idea what this was, but I knew I had to avoid being spotted. So, I ducked into the nearest slightly open store grate. The humming stopped and a large hooded figure stepped forward from the shadows. I had a feeling I knew who it was and was confirmed when he began to speak. For 52 years, this has been our town. For infinity, it will be our town. Tonight, 
We cleanse our town. It was Robert. He, along with the others in the group, slipped their hoods off. It took everything in me not to gasp. I recognized each of them. Christy, the manager of FYE. Ted, the manager of Bath and Body. One person for each store in the mall. And most importantly, my own manager, John. The others began to chant in unison, cleanse our town, cleanse our town. Tonight, one of us has failed to do our part to cleanse our town. The law of Parma states plainly, Robert paused to pull a scroll out from under his robe. For those who fail to do their service to our town, those who drain the life from our town, those who transgress against our town, must be punished with their lives. Let us cut away the dead tree roots so the tree of Palmertown may flourish. Cut away the roots. Let us flourish, the group chanted. We must not lose sight of our future. This town must thrive. Robert pulled the scroll away and turned to face the moonlight glowing in through the skylight. Bring him forth, Robert bellowed. Let him face his actions. Face his actions? Cut away the dead roots? What in the hell was this? Why was nobody doing anything about this? I was about to sneak out from under the grate when two people pushed past a third. It was Mitch, the borders manager. I was scared to even breathe as I watched what happened next. Two figures pushed Mitch to the ground and kneeled on his arms to keep him down. A third stood on his legs, immobilizing him. Mitch struggled and began to speak when one of the members placed a rag in his mouth. Robert stepped forward. His My Town cane raised over Mitch's chest. Mitchell Kaplan, you have failed in your mission to prove yourself useful to our town. And for this, you must allow your life to seep into the walls of Parmatown, so she may prosper. It didn't take a rocket science to figure out what was about to happen, but I couldn't look away. Not as the cane came down and impaled itself into Mitch's chest, nor could I look away as several more blows occurred. When Mitch's muffled cries of pain had ended, Robert reached into his robe and pulled out a small jar. He scooped up some of Mitch's blood and carried it over to the fountain that stood in the center of the court. Oh, Parmatown, accept this offering so you may live long. Accept this offering so you remain most blessed forever. Hear us, oh, Parma. Hear us. Hear us. He poured in some of the blood. And that is when I'd seen enough. Without caring to be seen, I sprinted out of the area. The empty halls seemed like a labyrinth. Every mannequin seemed like it would start running at me. I don't remember anything after that, save for smashing through the main entrance and slamming my head. All I know is that was years ago. Parmatown is now long gone, demolished to make way for a hotel. The reason I wrote this down is I think they're back in this hospital, the Parmatown cult, 
At night, I hear a faint voice whispering, It's the heart of my town, the one and only Parma Town. Well, that was the cult at Parmatown. I hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. Like I always say in closing, check under your bed, look in your closet, and sleep with the light on. The life you save may very well be your own. Good night, everyone.